Welcome to another episode of In the Deep with Dave. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, a guy called Joseph Valente. Um, you might have heard of Joe and seen him when he won BBC's The Apprentice. Um, and also, he's been heavily involved in the construction sector, the trade sector, and uh, where he sits his business now. Um, so I'll hand over to Joe just to do a, a, an introduction about himself. Hi, my name's Joseph Valente. I'm 30 years of age. Um, I'm an entrepreneur and um, I'm focused around supporting, coaching, mentoring people in business, sharing my message. I preach a lot about the laws of attraction and I'm looking forward to um, trying to give you guys as much value as possible as I can on this call. Yeah, so uh, when I was doing a little bit of research on you, John, going back, you've always been a little bit entrepreneurial. And, and where does that come from? Where, where, were, you, were you born into that? Was that something you've seen when you were growing up? Or is that, is that something you've developed yourself? So I grew up um, in a household where my mum worked three jobs, um, very low-paying wages. My dad was an alcoholic, um, was unemployed, didn't work. You know, and I always saw how hard working my mum was, but always struggled to make ends meet, always put that time in, but never really got the reward. But as a youngster and as a kid, you know, and I do believe a lot of people end up um, like the um, environment that they came from. But I was very lucky in the fact that I had a very successful uncle and I used to see him maybe once or twice a year and he'd come down in this suit, he'd come in his brand new Mercedes or BMW and he was always very corporate and high level. And I remember from a very early age thinking, you know, how can there be um, this big difference in character type? How is my dad like that who doesn't work, who stays in every day drinking, and then you've got this guy that's ultra successful? Yeah. How can I become that person? And, you know, I do believe that that set a spark in me to want to change my circumstances, change my environment, and change my destiny. And from that very um, day, you know, when I was very young, I knew that I had to, um, you know, I had to be the one that was going to create this new life for me. And I do believe it all stemmed from that. Yeah, great, great. And then, so, you, you know, leaving school, I don't, uh, uh, I remember you saying that you, you didn't particularly do very well at school. Um, you left school and, and how did that, when you didn't do very well at school, when you left school, did that make you more determined because a lot of people, I feel that like maybe use, well, I didn't really have a good upbringing. I didn't really have a good school life. So then they use the excuse after excuse and don't progress to anything. How did you kind of use that to, to get where you are? Yeah, great, great question, David. To be honest, that's exactly who I was up until the age of 15, you know, especially when my dad left at 13 and I became, you know, um, a bit of a delinquent, to be honest. Uh, you know, I wasn't yeah. a good kid. I was um, pretty lawless. And, you know, I used to blame it on my dad, you know, or blame it on my upbringing or blame it on everybody else. And nothing was my yeah. fault. And I wasn't prepared to man up and take it. And when I was actually expelled, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because about two months after being expelled, I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, is this it for your life now? You, there is so much more to you than this. Are you going to spend the rest of your days making excuses? Because my mum had given up on me. The schools had given up on me. Yeah. I was doing whatever I wanted. And I thought, 
if you don't do something, if you don't take ownership, if you don't become the master <clears throat> of your destiny, then your life is going to go down the pan and it's going to go down the pan fast. And, you know, one thing that rings true to this day is that I realize that no one is coming to save you, right? And yeah. you can sit there and make excuses until the cows come home. But reality is, who's the one that's getting hurt? It's you, because nobody really cares. So unless you're going to man up, take control, and do something about it, you're going to spend the rest of your life making excuses, and you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that does ring true. You, you're in control of your own destiny, really. If you want to make a better life for yourself, you have to change your language that you use, change your mindset that you use and, and really go and carve a life out for you. And you, you went into construction, you went into gas, gas engineer. Yeah. So I, um, after those two months, I said, right, I've got to, um, I've got to create myself an opportunity now. Something's got to change. And I um, had my best friend, um, his cousin was about 25 years old at the time. And he just started his own plumbing and heating business. And he was quite a well-known guy. Younger guys looked up to him. He had a brand new BMW and he had this van and he always had a good-looking girlfriend. Um, and I remember at the time thinking, that's the kind of guy that I want to be like. He's making lots of money plumbing and i remember people used to say back in the day you know plumbers were making 40 pound an hour and i remember that seeming like millions to me at that time and you know i approached him and said look darren can i come and work for you um for the for free for a whole year i should obviously be in year 11 teach me everything that you know i don't want paying and i'll come every single day and then when i turn 16 will you start paying me and put me into college? That's the fair exchange. He agreed. Of course he would because he got free labor. But, you know, I learned so much. It put me so far ahead of everybody else in college. And that yeah. one move, you know, changed my destiny forever. Yeah. And then, so what, what made you then go and apply to, to, to go on The Apprentice? Um, so I'd grown, um, I'd, I'd worked my way up through the plumbing and heating industry. I started my first business when I was 22, which was Infragas, one man in a van. Um, and I decided to, um, I got to 25 years of age. I'd been running the business for three years. We had about a half a million turnover. I had about five or six plumbers working for me, a little office above an estate agent, you know, and, and to most people looking in, we were doing quite well. And we were, and I was making good money, and I was a young guy, and I was quite successful. But in all honesty, I'd hit my ceiling. You know, plumbers yeah. start plumbing businesses, electricians start electrical businesses, builders build houses. Most people that start a business is usually because they were good at the job. But actually, none of us have got a clue how to yeah. run a business if you've never done it before. So I, I own that. And I knew that I needed mentorship and guidance to take it national. I knew that I needed cash to grow. And I yeah. knew that I needed exposure because I wanted people to see who I was. So yeah. um, the opportunity came to apply for The Apprentice and um, I went for it. Yeah, yeah. And what was that process like? What was that application process like? What was the, the interview process like to go through it? Did you smash it? Did you find that tough? Was it, did it come naturally? Uh, it was pretty crazy, to be honest. So you have to put an application form in first and foremost. They ask a lot of things about you. You know, you really have to stand out, be bold and brave on the application. And then yeah. when they um, pull you in for the first round of interviews, it was a bit like 
if you imagine the X factor, I turned up at this building in London. There was about 3,000 men and women in suits all lined up outside waiting to yeah. go in. And they ushered you in like 12 at a time. And you had to go through various challenges. You had to pitch in front of people. You had to um, sell stuff. You had to write down assignments. And there was loads of different challenges throughout. And it was pretty brutal, to be honest. Um, but you know what? You know, I remember just one of the challenges in particular. They made us stand in a room of 30 people and line up. Um, who was the best looking and you had to put yourself um, oh, in your own order and it was just pure chaos you know and people were lining themselves up in the middle or lining themselves up at the end and I knew what they were trying to do because it's a game the whole way through and if you're really smart you've got to play them at their own game yeah. so I'm fighting at the front with this lady who used to be Miss Hong Kong um, to try and get to the front and it was Oh, I just think back how cringy it was, but it was uh, and I know, suppose it's, doing. I suppose for from the from the viewers it's an entertainment show, you know, it's an entertainment show, it's people putting themselves out there for an opportunity. You know, it's it's the business from it's probably a very different life to the business you were running um with six, seven, eight gas engineers out and then going on the apprentice and having to do them crazy things. So it's probably more entertainment, but you're right. It's the exposure that leads to and, and the things from there. So the biggest when, lesson I took from it was put, was it taking you outside of your comfort zone? Like when we were actually on the show, you go away for nine weeks and, um, you know, you see all of these different tasks that they put you in, you know, and you, you, you don't get your mobile phone, you don't have Google, you don't have any of that. So you kind of go back to the old school way of um, yeah. trying to drum up um, new leads or make sales and whatnot. But, you know, you chucked into all of these random businesses that you've never done, design a product, um, hunt down some items, you know, invent something new, sell food or whatever it might be. So the real... Um, value in it is getting outside your comfort zone and being able to overcome and adapt <coughs> to any situation that you find yourself in you know and it was very laborious we were doing 18 hour days for six days a week every week every every week rolling um, yeah you know and it was pretty and challenging I, and it separates and the weak from the strong and I suppose, does that prepare you for things like what's happening in the world right now? Because you're right, you've got no Google, you've got, you're having to use your brain, use your ideas, use your initiative on, 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 on old school ways or, or finding a way to create a product or sell a product or, or find something without, you know, what we're all used to. And I suppose that's where we're at quite, but now it, everyone's locked down in the house. We're not doing things the way we usually would do. We're having to use our brains and creativity and, and create things for tools that we can help our businesses continue or even create new businesses and new products off the back of what's happening now. So I suppose that being out your comfort zone is, is probably prepared you for, for what we're, we're in right now. Is it? Yeah, and it's quite exciting because realistically, that's what we're about, right? If you're an entrepreneur, that's what is um that's what's in your dna that's what's in your blood that's in the environment that you thrive it's like you know drop me on a desert island with nothing and watch me coming out come out of it on a sailboat type thing you know yeah. you, you're in that you're in the thick of it and it's like sink or swim you know i i operate don't know about yourself but i operate so much better when my back's up against the wall yeah when things are going really well it's too comfortable for me yeah you know just... i feel out of place i love I love the fight. I love the battle. Um, but, you know, you think about The Apprentice. Imagine if you had Google. 
how easy it would be. You know, yeah. just be like, right, okay, well, that's where that item is. That's where that item is. I'll ring them up. If it was normal day business, you know, you'd complete the task in about five minutes and you wouldn't have a challenge there. So yeah, taking right. it back to the old school um, is pretty is pretty cool. Um, and, you know, and, you are, and you are right, because when you're entrepreneurial, when you've got that mindset, when things are going well, if you've got you know, we're all trying to create time and we're all trying to create a bit more time for ourselves. But sometimes my mind doesn't deal with time very well. So if I've got time for myself and I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs, my brain is just whirring because I'd rather be doing something onto a challenge, trying to process something, trying to firefight, trying to create something where I don't really relax very well. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I was having a chat with my best mate earlier and um, we were talking about content and he was like, oh, you know, I'm looking forward to just being at home with these next few days. And I was like, I'm going around the absolute bend. And he's like, that's because you're not content. And I said, I know I'm not content because I want to always be doing something. Yeah. So I think it's very difficult to chill, you know, and Tis. if things are going too well, it almost makes you complacent and you don't really know what to do. So, yeah, yeah. I fully agree with you. I'm the same. I don't relax well either. You know, I love to be on the go all of the time but you know i kind of love the fight as well yeah and so when you won the show what was it like there how did how did things change what was it like being the being the winner to be honest it was absolutely mental um i was 25 years i mean i'm 30 now i was 25 years of age i was a young guy um you know i was kind of just chucked into this world of you know 9 million people watch the show a week and it's lost its um, it's lost its um, um, pull a bit in the last couple yeah. of years. It was still pretty prime when I was on it, you know, and it was everywhere in the street. You're getting stopped. Where you know, it was just the demand was crazy. We were going yeah. to all the red carpet events, and you know, I, I I was a guy that grew up in a village in in Peterborough, so you know, my life completely changed, and I was in yeah. all of the glitz and glam in London. And to be honest, I absolutely loved it. It was amazing. Um, incredible and you know very um, humbling experience but you know it really changed and it was just so much hype when it was on the TV you know and then afterwards it was a bit like you know you have that win and I, I was obsessed with The Apprentice for years and years and yeah. years and I just wanted to win it and when you win it's like wow I've won now I'm Lord Sugar's business partner and then it kind of came crashing back down to earth <laughs> Um, it was a really strange experience and you know then I would then I had to go to work you know then I was like yeah. going back to running a plumbing business after you know there was this build up from October 2015 all the way to December and then I was this champion and you know the winner and it was amazing PR and everybody wanted a yeah. piece of you on interviews and then about three months later it kind of just stopped and then you're like back in your business and it's normal life again and you know, it was it was weird. It was like, well, how do I find that high again? How do I find that buzz? Like, what can I go after next that is going to keep feeding that level and, of adrenaline and, that's going to bring and do you um, think you know, that next level of success? Do you think that's why cer certain reality shows of recent have had bad press and had things happen with people on there because they're they're flung into this life and they're flung into this stardom and you know, interviews and paparazzi and things, people writing about them. And then, but how do you prepare for that? How do you prepare for all of that newfound fame? And then obviously 
they that's why they're famous for five minutes, isn't it? And then at the end, you then go, all oh, right, what do I do now? What do I do with all of this? I suppose you were slightly different on a business show because you had a business then to go back to, but it's maybe for the other people from other shows, I think, and maybe that's why, because they, they drop massively three yeah. months later when they're hype and the interviews stop, and then where do you go from there, I suppose? So I think, um, you know, I always went on it because I knew that business was sustainable and reality TV was only, as you say, for five minutes. So it was about enjoying the hype, but it was about building a career that was going to last because um, I could see that coming. But, you know, I had fellow apprentice, um, apprentices on the show that, you know, straight after it, they had a couple of weeks where they're in the limelight and they were going to red carpet events, you know, and they, had little, they hadn't even started their business yet. Or they were yeah. working for a company. And then naturally when you're in the limelight, everybody thinks that you're loaded. So people are yeah. like spending, spending all of their money trying to like buy new suits. And you know these guys had just come from normal life and they didn't have the money. So I know there's a huge amount of pressure to try and, you know, especially like Love Island and stuff like that. Those guys that get huge following on that now, you know, and then afterwards, they don't actually have any money, but they're getting interviewed all the time. But they need to be going to red carpet events looking sharp and looking baller. Yeah. And they can't afford to do it. And that pressure is obviously, you know, been um, incredibly hard for some people. Um, you know, and there's been a few cases of where people have committed suicide. And it's so, so sad. And the TV shows know what they're doing. They churn you out. They don't really give a, they don't really give a damn. But, yeah. you know, the other side of it as well is the trolling that happens. You know, people get so much abuse. And I, I even had a bit of that. Like, a lot of the people in the industry turned against me. It was a very strange um, experience. Yeah, did, did, did they almost thought you sold out for, for, the, for the high life, for the glitz and the glamour? And for, yeah, you know. there was like a, there was about, you know, I remember at the time, there was lots of middle-aged one-man bands that just seemed to be attacking every post I put on social media and it was it was just like what is going on here like you know I I have a guy that came from nothing and worked extremely hard so I kind of thought people would appreciate that story more rather than look silver spoon but people turn against you you know and for pieces like Love Island even more because you know they get millions of followers from it and you know they get yeah. absolutely destroyed you know and people can't take it and it's not nice to keep getting your phone out or to feel paranoid that every time you put a tweet that you're going to get a hundred people jumping on it, telling you what a knobhead you are, or do you know what I mean? Or whatever it yeah. is. So it's very difficult for, especially when you don't know these people and you haven't done anything wrong to them. So I think it's very yeah. difficult um, for a lot of people, but at the same time, in all honesty, um, Dave, you can't, you can't, um, you can't put yourself in that environment and not expect it. It kind of goes with the yeah. territory. So yeah, does, you yeah. have to be careful about going in there too naive. Like I used to brush it off because you know, I knew it came with the territory. So it didn't mean anything to me, but you know, some people go in too naive and expect everyone's going to love them. And if people hate you, it's not that nice. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I get that. I get that. So what was it? What was, what was Lord Sugar like? What was he, what was he like to work with? So, um, yeah, when I first met Lord Sugar after the show, um, I, went into the, um, I went into the boardroom and he was sat with his chair facing the other way. Um, walked in, went over to him, tried to shake his hand. He just looked at me, didn't put his hand up. And he was like, right, sit down. Um, didn't even look me in the eye. And I kind of was like, really? whoa, that's how it's going to be. I remember 
I sent him an email on Christmas Day because the show the show aired on the 21st of December 2015 yeah. and then on Christmas Day I sent him an emotional email saying oh my god thanks so much um, and um, thanks so much can't wait to get working with you this is going to yeah. change my life and everything else um, and um, and uh, he messaged me back saying, Joe, if you ever send me an email like that again, it's going straight in the bin. Um, I only want wow. bullet, bullet point format. I, like, this was on Christmas Day. I couldn't believe oh, it. I was like, whoa. Absolutely um, brutal. Yeah, absolutely brutal. Like literally no bullshit at all. Like the most cutthroat guy um, to, and I've come, you know, I've met some higher profile business people since then at top, top level, but he is just absolutely savage, you know, <laughs> so, in all honesty, too savage, you know, there's no, there's no need to be that hard, I don't think. Um, he's no, very, I don't, you know, especially if somebody, and I suppose, you know, these, are, this, this happens to people once a year on The Apprentice, so for once a year, you're going to get an emotional email from the winner and to to treat it like that, you'd, you'd at least have a little bit of compassion, wouldn't you? And just so, oh, yeah, thanks very much. I know. Let's, <laughs> let's go smash this or something, you know, but I suppose that's... It's funny because I met his, because um, he had, because when you get, you get to meet his team as well, and it's a small team, but his FD, Roger, um, was about 67 years old and he'd been with him for about 40 years. And he <laughs> said to me, look, I just need to warn you um, that... Yeah, this is how you need to be acting around him, like blah, blah, blah. And uh, he was like, I remember the first week that I started working for him in like the 1970s or 80s or whatever it was. Um, I used to get into the lift every morning and say, hi, Mr. Sugar. Um, and uh, every single day that week, he didn't even bother to look at me or acknowledge that I was wow. in the lift. So after a week, I stopped saying hello to him and for the last 30 years, I've never said hello or good morning. <laughs> so that, that was the kind of guy that we're dealing with. And I was like, oh, hey, God. Um, but yeah, do you know what? Working with him was an experience. Um, it taught me how to um, be able to deal with people of that level, um, how to act, you know, to cut through the bullshit, um, to get to the point very, very quickly. He doesn't like waffle. He wants answers fast. Um, you know, and I don't mind that. I like that because I'm the same sort of person, just not. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that because you always see, Dorney, and probably the guys that you go through, mentor and things like that, people like to talk, don't they? And, you know, it, People buy from people as well, though. So I, I get, I get both sides of the coin. Where salesmen, they want to tell a story, they want to, they want to get to know you, they want to create a bond with you, but also these people just want the points. And I remember listening to a podcast with somebody guy say where Theo Pathetis once said, um, "You've got, you've got three minutes. Come on, tell me." And it's like yeah. three minutes, you know. Three. Imagine, you know, someone you you get to meet the guy at the level of. of Theopathetus, and he says, "Right, you've got three minutes. Tell me what you want." It's, <laughs> it's creating your whole pitch in three minutes. As a salesman, that must be a tough pitch. That for three minutes. And the, yeah, and I think that the more that you talk, if you don't listen to when they say that and give them the facts, the more that you talk, the more that you piss them off. Because it's yeah. You see what I mean? Like, if you've got the product that they want or the service that they want and you're going to give them what they need in terms of the statistics and the price and so on, it's like, just cut to the chase. Don't ignore... I, I think a good salesman can always read 
um, his yeah. environment and always read what his customer wants from him. You know, and if they're a customer that wants to get down to the facts quite quickly and that's how they'll respect you, then cut the waffle and the BS and just yeah. get straight to it. And if there's somebody that wants massaging a little bit more and you need to build that rapport and build that story and they want to build the trust and the value and everything else and take your time and take longer. But, you know, I do think it's down a lot to the time. People of that level, you know, their brains are so, um, they're so full of information that every interaction that they have needs to be down to the facts. Because if you give the facts, they can make decisions. If there's too much talking, all you're doing up is take, all you're doing is taking mental space. Because as they're talking to you, they're probably thinking of, you know, 12 or 15 other things at the same time. Yeah, it's right. going through their brain. So it's about, you know, making quick, cold decisions based on the fact. I know. And I, I, one thing, one book I loved, and I know you really admire this guy, is I loved the book by Grant Cardone, Sell or Be Sold. That was yeah. one of my favorite books that I read being a, you know, coming from sales and being a salesman. And if you run any business, you're a salesman. I really like that book. And that, that's, you know, you're right in salesman, you read the room, you read what type of person very quickly that you're dealing with. If somebody's very blunt, very to the point, you keep it very factual, you get your bullet points in, you, you, you know, you nail it where if someone's nice and, you know, they like to talk, then you let the conversation drift where it goes, don't you, I suppose. And it's, but it must be very hard to deal with somebody like, Lord Sugar, where he is just brutal and not talking to you. I suppose that there is probably the biggest learning curve that you will have in dealing with people like that. Yeah, most. I mean, going into those boardrooms, I can handle. You know, I've been in some big meetings since then, and I can I can walk into any meeting now without that level of um, nervousness or fear, you know, or anything like that. I can go in and handle it because Sugar is as hard as they come. Um, you know, and I remember the early, early days in business when I used to go and meet like a new estate agent company that was going to take on, you know, I was always a little bit nervous and excited. And then you go into a room like that with that guy, you just come out and I can walk into any room with confidence, any boardroom, any person and be able to hold my own. So, you know, it was great, great value, but just talking on Grant Cardone, I mean, I went over to GrowthCon a couple of weeks ago in Vegas, you know, and I got to meet him and, and so on. And just such a different character, even yeah. though he's like of the same level as Lord Sugar, like the the um, difference in person, like he's, you know, energy is high, you know, he's engaged with people, he's motivating, he wants to support, um, you know, and it's just a completely, um, completely different character. Completely what, different. What was it like, the growth? What was it like, the, the 10X conference, the growth con? It was, it was, imagine an English, um, an event in England on steroids. It was just <laughs> insane. You know, there's flamethrowers coming out of every, um, every um, angle. There was, you know, I, it was, it was just brilliant. If you like And there that, was some, he got some absolutely like big, big names. There was Kevin Hart. There was, um, who else was there? There was, um, White, um, John Travolta, Floyd John Mayweather. Travolta. You know, and he pulled guys like that, and they weren't even on the advert. They came as special guests that he brought in to just wow everybody. But Fury fought the same day, didn't he? In Vegas, Fury fought the same night, and I was out in Vegas that night. It was absolutely insane. Um, Have you been to Vegas before? I I got married in Vegas. Me and my wife got married in Vegas. So. 
we love Vegas, and Vegas is just a um, just an insane place where like you can just go and have a holiday, you can go and have a party, you can go and do shopping. It's just like it's like nowhere else in the world. Vegas is it? To be fair. No, it was my first time, first experience there, and it was um, it was pretty crazy. But you know, one thing that I just saw was what's possible. You know, it just made me think big. Like he he fought so big with it. You know, twelve thousand entrepreneurs they had there all over the world, like the biggest entrepreneurs conference in the world, and you know, it just makes you think like just what people can put off. So. You know, yeah. you just got to keep thinking bigger, keep thinking bigger, keep thinking bigger all of the time. You know, and I believe people like that set the precedent for, you know, new entrepreneurs to come in and do the next thing. It's a bit like MySpace, then Facebook come in, you know, Grant Cardone's setting the standard of the new, you know, yeah. he's pioneering what it looks like in the huge event space for entrepreneurs. So what's the next, who's the next young buck that's going to come up and do the next version of or the next bigger thing? So you know, guys like that are laying the foundation for entrepreneurs for the next 10, 20, and, 30 and his, years. And his energy, you described his energy. I believe he's, is he nearly 60? I think he's 62 now. Is he 62? I, I, I knew we were, and his energy, I mean, I, you know, I follow him on social media and I've seen him talking um, an event last year in London. And his energy, the way he conducts himself, the way he, he is just mr energy really and to still have that level of energy and that level of passion for business for entrepreneurship and for you know trying to motivate others at that age is just phenomenal really and that you know and it comes down to where he says about being obsessed you know it's just you have to be obsessed and you know i i've done a lot of research into that guy and you know i mean he was very successful in his in his early 40s he was a multi-millionaire and then he said he leveled off and you know every single day his battle now isn't for for finance it's for um reaching his full potential and i quite yeah. like that um because there is no um form of material um no. item to be honest that can make you happy they make things more comfortable but it's very very short-lived happiness um, you know, and every time I've ever got a new car or a better apartment or, you know, what, you know, I've been able to get whatever I've wanted over the last few years from where I came from. And, you know, those things made me happy when I was doing the initial purchase. But, you know, you sit in a apartment, a penthouse apartment with all of the nice things around you, you know, it doesn't make you happy. But, it you know, doesn't. if you just go into work to go and make money or you go into work to just buy stuff, it's not enough. There has to be a much deeper purpose, um, you know, in what you're doing, and having that, having that self um, awareness to believe that, you know, your focus every day is to live your full potential, but you believe your potential is untapped. What more of a driver do you need? Because he'll never, he'll never reach that. So that's, yeah. you know, an insane level of energy for him to be able to keep driving and going, and you know, and I have that, a much that is key advice for entrepreneurs. If you go into business or if you start a business chasing the money, you're chasing a wrong dream because the money doesn't make you happier. The cars, you know, I've had some beautiful cars in my time. You know, it doesn't make you feel any different. And don't get me wrong when you get in a, a nice car and it, you start the engine and it makes you feel good, but that doesn't make you happy and you know, the holidays and the houses and whatever else it doesn't. What 
I think a true entrepreneur buzzes off the chase, off the journey. And some so something I listened to the other day, which was interesting, where um, the journeys are best where there is no end goal. Because, you know, yeah. you hear about entrepreneurs getting to their end goal, selling their businesses. And I had one on a couple of weeks ago on here, actually. He, he owned Derby County Football Club. He got to um, sell his business and three days later tried to commit suicide because mm. he realized he had, you know, 20 odd million quid in the bank and he wasn't happy because he realized that the, the fun and what he took and the enjoyment was the day to day hustle and grind of having the business, not setting the target to sell the business and just sit there and do nothing. And I think that's, that's a true entrepreneur that where we, we like the hustle and we like the journey more than, more than the end goal, if you like. Yeah, and I'll give you an example of how that reflects with for, with me. So, yeah, I started in Pregas when I was 22, so seven seven years ago, eight years ago now, 2012. And when I started that, I knew that I was going to become national. That was all I cared about. It was about building a national business. So I used to obsess over looking at the map and circle new regions that we were going to take over and that we were going to yeah. conquer and, you know, that was what I got up for. Actually, I got up for getting my mum into retirement early, and that was what I wanted to do. Um, and uh, I was able to achieve that. That was the main goal. But the second one for my business goal was um, was to take over the UK. That was my obsession. And in 2019, yeah. in September, I put my first man in Scotland. And that day, we became fully national. And I remember it. It was a bit bittersweet because I remember him going there and I had a conversation with the whole team. And I'm like, we're now national. And in all honesty, I just felt this sudden drain of everything that I'd worked for was achieved. I now didn't care about growing the business anymore. I didn't yeah. want to be in Imprigas anymore. I was done. You know, I'd, 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 I'd achieved my goal and I was done. The only thing left for me to do with that business was to add on more products or to, get in, yeah. to create a better service. Or, you know, it was kind of like all of a sudden somebody just flicked a switch and I knew that it was my time to exit because I'd achieved what I set out to do. Um, and that was my purpose. And, you know, over all that time, I never cared about the money, but that kept me going every day was the drive to become national. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's probably key in a, in a lot of other entrepreneurs and, you know, chasing things like that and bigger. And, and do you, do you believe bigger is always better? Let me answer that. Is bigger always better? Um, it really comes down to the individual. I don't think every business owner should set out to become the biggest business in their sector they can possibly be because yeah. with growth comes um, with growth comes a whole new world of um, challenges that you know you really don't want to take on unless you're really wanting to take them on. Um, yeah. You know, it depends what you're in it for. For me, Infra was always rapid growth, get it to where I wanted it to be, then get out because I knew I didn't want to run a boiler installation business for the rest of my life. It was, it had a time um, limit on it and I wanted to do it quickly and get out and move on. Um, if you want to build a business that, um, you know, is more of a lifestyle business or you want to keep it small when you're going to be in it for 20 years, then I'd suggest go going a lot slower than what we did um yeah. you know really get to focus on 
the revenue you want to hit and then it's all about improving service and finding more margin and so on but the bigger is definitely not um always better it's down to the individual and you know it's about tying it back to your end goal i think that everybody has to have you know you i know you said earlier about not having an end goal i think you know, for me, if I don't have an end goal, then I don't yeah. know what I'm working for. I lose focus. I level off. And, you know, and every opportunity or decision that you make, if you don't have an end goal, is to what end? So, you know, yeah. I always like to have that goal in place and tie it back. Is this opportunity going to get me to where I want to go? Does it contribute to my end goal? If it doesn't, then no. If it does, then yes, I'll take it. Um, and that's how I work my strategy. And so what is your end goal and what does is, what is, what is the end goal look like for you? <laughs> Without contradicting the question that you just asked, <laughs> uh, it's about going as big as I possibly can. But yeah. that's, that's just me. You know, I want to you know, live my full potential. I believe that we are powerful beyond measure. I believe that we should be, um, you know, pushing ourselves to the absolute limit of what we can achieve. You know, I want, I want to just keep climbing. I'm at my most happiest when I'm, um, when I'm focused and I'm driven and I'm, and I'm achieving. I want to, you know, I want to just turn my hand to new things. I'm 30 years of age now and recently sold in for, and I'm back in the game of where I'm, get to choose what I want to do next. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I just want to, I want to try new things. I want to push myself. I want to test myself. You know, if you want to, if you want to know some of my highlights, I want to be a billionaire. Um, and I don't want to be a billionaire for the money. Um, Cause I believe once you get past a few million, you know, you don't need much more, but I want to yeah. be a billionaire to just know that I can reach that level of status, that I can become, you know, that good of a businessman that I can make that much money. So that's one. I want a super yacht because I do like materialistic things and I'd love <laughs> to have a yacht, helicopter, jet. Um, but I want to give back and help people. And I think yeah. that's why I started the coaching academy was because, you know, once you're so focused on yourself and you do really well, you know, I got to a point in my life where I just felt like I'd just taken. I just kept thinking, I've taken, I've taken, I've taken. You know, I've yeah. got into Forbes. I did a book. I've you know, won The Apprentice. I built a national business. Like, the world has given me so much. And I've, and I asked myself, what have I given back? You know, and I'd really, I hadn't really given anything back. I wasn't helping yeah. people. I was, you know, I wasn't, I haven't helped anybody really. And I was, I was like, do you know what? This isn't, I don't want to just go again and just keep, right, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this. So, you know, um, I thought, right, I'm going to help small businesses for a while, growing construction, um, and then I'm going to take some time out where I'm not working 100 hours a week, and I'm just going to yeah. try and get inspired again, get healthy, um, you know, and get to the gym, you know, and, and start yeah. eating good. Um, you know, and, and decide where I want to go next. I don't want to jump in with two feet into something again straight away. I know I want to yeah. build an international business, but I need some more time to decide what that is. But, so, you know, I think a lot of a lot of focus around giving back is what's going to make me a lot happier at the moment. Yeah, and I, think, and I think the more you give back, the happier you become. Because when you're helping other people, if you're, I love helping other people, and I think I take the most 
pleasure when helping other people, coaching other people, giving advice, mentoring. I think that's the best in my best light, if you like. So the coaching academy, tell me a little bit about that or tell the listeners a little bit about the coaching academy. So um, we've started the trade mastermind and that's basically for, you know, the, one, the, the quote is plumbers start plumbing businesses, electricians and start electrical businesses and builders build houses, but nobody teaches us how to run a business. I went from a one-man band to a CEO of a company with 150 people in it doing a million pound in sales a month in seven years. And that transition from tradesman to businessman was insane. And, you know, I was very privileged to be taught from some of the very best and learn my lessons as I went. But, you know, I remember prior to The Apprentice, you know, I didn't have a clue about business. The reality is I was a guy that was running seven plumbers, you know, out of out, pretty much in his mind, doing all the jobs, sorting it all out, you know, you know, the center of the business. But the business was me. The business wasn't a business. Yeah. And when I left Impera and sold it, that company's now still running and it worked without me. So I was able to create something yeah. that worked without me. And, you know, I think that a lot of construction business owners are trade-minded. They're not business-minded. And there's nobody there's nobody niche teaching construction business how to, um, you know, how to do their lead generation, how to make sales, how to yeah. finance, plan, how to put an in infrastructure system, process, KPI reporting, you know, and how to start building infrastructure within their business. So I set up um, monthly masterminds and we do one-to-one direct coaching and it's going extremely well. We've got a couple of, our guys that have been on now. I mean, it's only been going about eight weeks. I've got 30 clients on it so far. Um, and some of them are adding on 50 to 100 grand worth of new revenue a month just from picking up on the sales model that we use the Impra. So now that's really rewarding to see that. And, you know, it's, it's going quite well. I'm not going to grow it massive um, because I don't want it to take up all of my time. But, you know, it's been a good um, business to focus on and keep me busy you know, because I pretty much started as soon as I exited from Infra. I didn't want loads of downtime. So, yeah, um, yeah it's good. So, and do you talk about, um, like you talk about with you, you talk about the law of attraction a lot, don't you? Um, yeah. On your Instagram and, and the videos you put out. Just tell the people what, what the kind of law of attraction is or your take on the law of attraction. So, my take on the law of attraction is whatever the mind can conceive and believe the mind can achieve. So I believe that um, whatever message you send out into the universe, you get back. If you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. And it's about sending out signals into the universe of the things that you want to attract. Okay, because you become what you think about. If you're a negative person, guess what? Everything that happens in your life is negative and you're always complaining and the more you complain, the more things you get to complain about. If you're a yeah. positive person and you're always attracting success, you're attracting wealth, you're attracting love, you're attracting um, passion, whatever it may be, then these things come to you. And I've always been a visionary. You know, I, I know that I can see things before they happen. You know, I'm not a clairvoyant. I'm a visionary. Um, yeah. And I've always been able to vision my successes years before they come true. And um, the way that I practice law of attraction now is firstly, you vision it. So number one, you see it in your mind. Number two, you feel what you vision. So you must feel yeah. that vision and feel yourself in that environment. Then you must speak it. 
So I'm going to give back and help people. I'm going to give back and help people. Or I'm going to get a super yacht. I'm going to get a super yacht. And then finally, number three, sorry, number four. And this is where I believe a lot of the law of attraction doesn't work for people is because they vision something. Yeah, I want a Ferrari. And then they feel it, what it'd be like to drive it. And they say, I want a Ferrari. But in all honesty, they don't believe they can get it. And number yeah. four is believe it. It's having that belief that you can achieve that crazy end goal without ever knowing how you're going to get there. But trusting in the universe that the dots will connect and that it can come yeah. true. Um, you know, and I've been practicing it for many, many years and I've achieved success in books, TV, business. So, so when you when you were writing your book or when you were, you know, starting your business, do you, how, how did you start that in terms of the law of attraction and what did you do? Did you, you know, Tony Robbins talks a lot about this and, and, uh, you know, there's a few other guys out there talk a lot about the law of attraction and, and, and yourself as well is you feel what it'd be like when, when you've got the book in your hand, when you've wrote the book, you know, when you're selling the book and, and how do you kind of start that process? So if, if you want to change your mindset from being a negative mindset or a positive mindset, how do you do that? How will people do that? Great, great question. Um, so it's about um, convincing the subconscious mind. So I simply do this, and I still do it to this day, every single morning and every single night. I have a book, and in it has got the goals that I want to achieve. So let's say the first goal um, is I want to build a national business. You know, you take Impra when I was 22. I used to sit there at night. I used to see my vans driving up and down the country. I used to see yeah. our engineers walking into house. I used to see a big corporate building where all my staff were going. And then I'd say, I'm going to be national. 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 And Napoleon Hill, the author of Think and Grow Rich, yeah. says, you need to repeat these things morning and nightly and you need to do it 12 times. So I've always said it 12 times. Well, I'll think of the object, what it is I want to achieve. I'll see, I'll feel about how I feel when it's come true. And then I repeat it 12 times. I'm going to have a national business. I'm going to have a national business. I don't know what it is about that number, but all I know is that he knew. So I'm just copying what that guy told me to do. Yeah, and yeah. it's always worked. Um, you know, and then with The Apprentice, I used to sit there every night when I'd applied for it. You're a winner, you're a winner, you're a winner, you're a winner. You're hired, you're hired, you're hired, you're hired. <coughs> Joseph, you're going to be my business partner. Joseph, you're going to be my business partner. I saw it before it happened. I yeah. saw the finger getting pointed at me. I, I, can, I can still see it so clearly in my mind about how I saw it before it happened that I was so convinced that it was going to come true so convinced and it did you know and then with the book yeah. number one bestseller number one bestseller number one bestseller or oh, i'm gonna get into forbes i'm gonna like you, you've just gotta and you can't do it once like people think they're gonna sit down and think about the law of attraction and think about getting a ferrari once you need to become obsessed with it it's got yeah. to you've got to drill it into your subconscious because once you do that it means that it puts the conscious brain into action and every decision that you make you know, from then on in, usually is focused around trying to achieve that goal. Law of attraction doesn't work unless you apply the law of action. You know, you've got to do, you've actually got to work as well 
for it to come true because so many skeptics will say, um, you know, oh, that's a load of mumbo jumbo. It doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. It does work and you've got to act on it at the same time. But, you know, I'll just finish on that piece where I'll say, if there are so many successful people and all you've got to do is YouTube law of attraction, talking about the law of attraction yeah. and how it works and you are not currently a believer, right? But they're telling you it's true and they're successful. That should be the ultimate trigger for yeah. you to become a believer. And that's what they always say, isn't it? If you want to, if you want to be successful, if you want to do something, go and follow the people who are doing it, go and find the people in your space who were successful or, you know, perceived as successful or, you know, that they're, they're putting stuff out there and they, they look to go and see what they're doing and yeah. start to act on how they act, how they use their language. And I think language is a very, very, very um, important way of, of what we do. And I had a, a, a chat with a, a a recent podcast with a lady called Holly Matthews and she talks about not using language like oh that's a nightmare I'm having a nightmare because if you're having a nightmare and using language like you're having a nightmare then you're going to feel like you're having a nightmare where if you use language where like I'm not where I want to be right now but I know I'm going to get there I know I'm going to get here and and positive people successful people use a lot of positive language and I think if for people are feeling a little bit negative, a little bit deflated right now, or don't know what to do, I think definitely the way your language and your terminology and what you use has a big impact on where you go. Yeah, I like that. You know, and that's just made me think about the power of I am. So they also say that you need to be, in, and this is what I do, it's about saying, I am a billionaire, I am a billionaire, I am a bit. You've got to believe that you are that now before it's actually come true. Um, you know, you don't want to be saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I, I hope to be a billionaire. It's like, no, I'm a billionaire. I'm a billionaire now, and all I've got to do is live out the destiny of that yeah. coming true. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. You know, it's spot on with the language. And the more you go, oh, I'm pissed off, I'm stressed, or I'm having a shitty day, then the more that becomes your environment. So absolutely spot on advice. You it know, get your language right, get speak positively and believe in the power of I am already, not I am going to be. It does, and I think it's it's if you allow yourself to attract that negativity and allow yourself to continue to attract that, then you will always get what you've always got. And I think that's yeah. a you know it's a powerful if to think out. You know how many times have we heard about thinking outside the box? But actually, you need to because you need to remove yourself from the normal box of where everyone is and the language that everyone's using, and use that I am I you know, I'm already there, I'm, I'm there, and you're right, and taking the action to live it out. So I think that's a, that's a powerful message, that. So what does, the, what does the future lie? Where does the future lie for, for you, Joe? Um, so I plan on um, growing this coaching business for the next four to eight weeks, a little bit further. Um, and then we're building a um, clothing brand called The Gentleman Company. Um, so we are um, currently recording YouTube shows with that, creating the content. And it's a men's fashion brand that's going to be bringing gentlemen back, basically. It's about focused around how old school gentlemen used to dress, um, you know, looking sharp, feeling good, being confident, being respectful. And I think that's 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 quite powerful right now. You know, I've... Um, the 
I bought a suit a, a little while ago from um, from a company up in the northeast called Master Debonair, and I follow them guys on 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 um, Instagram and and some of the put, stuff they put on. Because I think going to work doesn't have to be boring suit, and there's yeah. a lot of nice mixing it up different suits out there different looks different shoes different and i suppose that old gentleman look has has come back really where it, it kind of drifted off and now it's quite cool to look like that and I, you don't have to just wear a normal blue suit you can mix it up a little bit so is that is that the way you guys are seeing that there's a there's going to be an upward yeah, trend in that definitely i mean it's not quite quite peaky blinders but it kind of like st- like i really love that old school dress like i love where they people used to put the make the effort of putting on a suit and a shirt and a tie, you know, and looking smart. I mean, our first range is t-shirts with gentlemen co plastered all over the front of it, so it's not quite the suit level yet. But yeah. it's about building that brand first of all and what it represents. But you know, I think I like I just I just like to look sharp and I like to feel good and I like you know and I like you know. I like wearing clothes that make me stand out in a sharp way. And that's what I want the brand yeah. to represent, you know, and you can, that can be um, a mix of different style, smart clothes in whichever way you feel comfortable. But it's about entering a room with presence, entering a room with confidence, yeah. and, you know, feeling powerful within yourself. Um, because so many don't, you know, and, and um, if you can achieve that, it's a, it's a special thing. Um, and so we're focused around building that. Go on, sorry. Yeah, no, no, go on, go on, carry on. Um, that's one That's one thing I'm going to be doing, coaching business. Uh, we've got Business Unleashed launching, which is basically um, another version of um, coaching and events, which is just for all generic businesses, um, which is quite exciting. Um, I'm in and the who you, is this just you launching these or have you got a couple of business partners where you're launching them with? Uh, I've got a business partner in um, Gentleman Co but in um, Business Unleashed it's just me yeah and are yeah. you going to go into that event space that kind of you maybe you're the next up and coming Grant Cardone and the whole growth con is that the, is that yeah, the dream is so that the... we ran our first trade mastermind event sorry that's my doorbell um, we ran our um, first trade mastermind event um, uh, on the day that they announced um, that g- gatherings were closed down. That was about two weeks ago on yeah, Saturday. Um, so we had about um, well, we had 122 confirmed, but we only had 11 turn up, which was a shock on the first day, to be honest. Yeah. But I still did the event, went really well. And the whole event game for us is about selling courses. So we sold quite a few courses off the back of it, which was really good. Um, and yeah, I really want to enter the event space. Love being on stage. You know, I've got a lot of value to give businesses. Um, I'm quite a high energy person. So I, really, I like that business. It's got great margins as well. I mean, if we're going to talk about business, one thing that I learned running Infra was that I'm never, ever going to enter a low-margin business ever again. Yeah. It doesn't matter how big you get. The bigger you get, the less money that you make with um, small Yeah, margins. it is. So my advice to and – and, you know, when I entered it, I didn't know really what margins were when I was a lot younger. I, I, I don't mind in saying that. I didn't have a clue, to be honest. You know, and it was all right as a one-man band, but – you know, don't enter into small margin businesses. They're just, there's so much work to go in and, you know, so little reward. So I want to just look at things now that are going to 
pay well that I'm going to be passionate about and that I'm going to enjoy. And and who do you kind of um, who's your kind of mentors? Who's your key mentors to to progress you through and help you go, keep going? Um, so obviously I follow Grant Cardone a lot. Um, I recently learned the event model from a guy called Adam Scott. Um, he's been one of my coaches and mentors. He used to run a um, a fifty million pound uh, car sales business in the UK, and he went into events. So I've been working with him. We did a tour together. Um, uh, a couple of months ago and partnered on some events. So I learned the model from him. And um, it's a really good business model, really good business model, helps a lot of people, and you do make really good money. So um, he's kind of taught me the formula, as it were, and, and, and now I'm going to run with it and still do bits with him as well. Yeah, great. Excellent. Well, I'll finish off with a couple of questions that what I always kind of finish off on. So... Um, if you could give advice to your 18-year-old self, what advice would it be? Um, keep going. You can, you can achieve all of those crazy things that you believe you can achieve. Excellent. And a dinner party. So you're at a dinner party. Um, you can invite three other guests, alive or dead. Who would you invite and why? Uh, Pamela Anderson when she was on Baywatch. Baywatch. She'd be my date. Um, yeah. uh, Andrew Carnegie. Uh, yeah, good one. One. Um, just because of Frink, Frink and Grey Rich. And yeah. um, did you say three or four guests? Three, three guests, three guests. Okay, and then finally it would have to be Al Pacino. Why Al Pacino? One of my favourite all-time films is Scarface. Is he? Excellent, excellent. Well, I appreciate that, Joe. Thanks for coming on the show. If um, if anybody wants to find you, um, where where they're able to find you, follow you, get your uh, content. Instagram, at Mr. Joseph Valente. LinkedIn, Joseph Valente. Yeah, we've got a Facebook community, Business Unleashed. Um, yeah, just Google my name and I'm sure you'll track me down. Excellent. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show, Joe. I appreciate that. Cheers, David. Take care. Cheers now.